Hello and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter. You said that a little bit like Kramer when he was doing the movie phone. Hello and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. This is movie phone. Why don't you just tell me the name of the podcast you listen to? We have a lot of fun. We talk about uh, what's going on spiritually in our lives, and we'd love to hear your feedback too. Anything at hopeondemand.com is where you can email. And we we did get this question. You know, last week we we did our live event and, and talked about all about forgiveness. We had some of the most incredible stories about forgiveness and questions regarding forgiveness yeah. and the people who were willing to just vulnerably open up and share where they're at, where they've been. We were blown away and truly blessed. And I think it helped all of us grow a little bit in in that path towards forgiving easier. Well, I, we, I, I love that we opened up or really the whole point was to be able to forgive unforgivable people that, that we deem unforgivable. Uh, but really a couple of the stories there at the end, and you can go back and watch it at hopeondemand.com, but it was about living with something that they did and hoping that there was going to be forgiveness offered or in, in one man's case, extreme forgiveness was yeah. offered. Yeah, there was, um, yeah, uh, lives were taken by his hand and he found himself behind prison, prison walls and the woman whose son's life was taken was the one who responds to him and shares the love and light of Jesus yeah. after forgiving him. It was an incredible story, Paul's story, but yeah, you're invited. I'll obviously always to go back and check, but we have a question regarding forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. so we'll get things kicked off this week with that as well. Sherry uh, asked this, my sister was making rude comments about me mm -hmm. and my husband stepped in and told her to leave our house. So it sounds oh. like this was a bit of a dispute at, at, yeah. like in, in presence together. And now she is not speaking to me at all. My sister is dealing with a lot with divorce and depression, a lot, a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah. Is there anything I can do to encourage her forgiveness and then she also goes on to say, I've been praying a lot and I'm I'm dealing with negative thoughts towards her. Yeah. So it's a, a little bit of both. It sounds like, you know, if negative comments were shared, then mm -hmm. she's going to have to do the work of forgiveness. But also, yeah, what do you do when somebody won't forgive you? What was her name? Her name is Sherry. So uh, Sherry, forgive me. I'm sure he just said that. And um, I, I think to encourage somebody else's forgiveness that's a tough one mm -hmm. I, because forgiveness generally, um, from what I gather in reading about it, this is the gift that we can extend to others mm -hmm. and covering them with forgiveness and grace. So it potentially could be just a one-way street. Reconciliation yeah. is when both of you are in agreement to come together and cover one another and say, Let, let's work this out. And restoration is about, and let's build some, let's clear the rubble out with the, the, reconciliation and let's restore the relationship to something that actually was better than before. We, we quickly mentioned last week about forgiving ourselves. And I, I just wanted to say a great point that I heard about that that we talked a little bit about as well is that, you know, when somebody's wronged, that gives the person that's wronged a bit of authority. They're the ones that mm -hmm. were wrong. So they, they are the ones with the, the, the scepter, if you will, to, to forgive or, right. or to not. And we don't, we don't have that for ourselves. There's not really any spiritual connotation with forgiving ourselves. What we need to do is live in God's forgiveness. Right. Uh, but bring, why I brought that up is because it would seem that you are the one with authority 
that needs to forgive her if she was sharing the comments. Now, I think one thing, you know, that's a very short description of what happened. And we always want to be hesitant on not knowing all the nuance of it. If your husband shared something that was rude and sinful right back, asking to leave is not. But, but if it was rude and, and, you know, name calling or anything like that, then it would seem that, that he would owe her forgiveness. Mm. But what I, I hear, like, like what Rochelle said is that you want reconciliation. And, and to me, yeah. I think that's always possible to be able to reach out to send messages and, and call and, and just see if we can get together. Absolutely. But I don't, it, it's going to depend on the person's heart. It's got to, and doing exactly what you're already doing, praying. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you're working yeah. that out in yourself as well because it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. Forgiveness, yes, you can extend grace, but I think you're all, you're gonna have, maybe have to do that multiple times in your life. My mom shared that with me with some of the things that have taken place in her life. I said, mom, how did you overcome forgiving this person in your world that betrayed you so so horribly? I did it more than once was yeah. her response. Yeah. So, uh, and it sounds like from your email description that your husband asked her to leave as opposed to demanding it. So it sounds like he was being protective. Oh yeah. I'm sure he did the right thing. This is our home. And uh, if you're, if you're going to do this, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. If that was the way it was taken care of. I mean, uh, that's a difficult situation for all people involved. Uh, And certainly if, if your sister's already already in a state of discord, she's not thinking straight. And she's probably projecting onto others the stuff that's going on on the inside of her. And clearly that's going to stir up sadness and bitterness and even maybe even past hauntings of arguments that you've had Mm. that have kind of hurt and wounded. And you didn't realize we're still mm, tinges of that still hurt, still wounding. Uh, So it prayer. Yes. 100% best resort (laughs) always. Sure. And I I love Carter's idea of of reaching out. Uh, this is your sister. This is your flesh and blood. Well, and I think that woman's comment last week, again, we'd encourage you. It was just a strong, strong, powerful evening. And uh, the comments at the end that you can watch or, or listen to. Um, but uh, I, I think, was her name Casey? I can't remember her name, but she said, uh, bitterness, unforgiveness will rot your bones. Yes. And and trying to live for years, even weeks, probably where you have that in you. Um, now that's going to be up to her on the first side of it. Of of if, if she's choosing to forgive, even if you didn't do anything wrong, she's still dealing with either letting it go or forgiving. Mm-hmm. And then with you, you know, there at the last part, having negative thoughts towards her. I and mean, that's that's my encouragement because I. I felt it. I've never had like a riff for years with people, mm-hmm. um, but I've but I've certainly felt it when you know you think about old bosses that treated you wrong or whatever, yeah. and it's like if I constantly dwell on this, Ugh. it will. There's nowhere good, and there's nowhere good that it's gonna go. So you entertain somebody, they keep coming back, right? Because yeah. you fed them. Yeah, that's true. So if you that's keep true. entertaining ugly past stuff, well, you fed them. You showed it a good time. It's gonna stay there. It's gonna it's gonna stay there a little longer, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And bring the, bring back some of his friends. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's important also to recognize that um, that yeah the uh, what what we're sharing about your sister and that this is something she'll have to process. I think one of the best ways for us to be able to extend grace in those moments where it is not easy for us, especially because let's say you reach out, Sherry, to your sister, and just offer. Just, I I I just want to offer. Um, this, what do we call Olive it? Branch. Olive branch. Mm-hmm. 
and there's no response from her. That can, especially I'm going to admit it, known it, that can ignite more bitterness and rage in me. So here I am trying to take the bigger person's first step, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they don't receive it. Well, you know what? You can just bite an apple, you know? And it, and it's not just the first time. It's going to be the next time because remember that Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with those family members where it's like, I'm going to, I don't want to just tiptoe around it. Right. But I don't want it to be the main thing, the main focus. Yeah. I, we can still have a great conversation. And then if, if we just need to be open about it and I bring it up in a loving way and then they react, well, then, then there's not much I can do. No. But, but I don't have to go, you know, you sit down, let's say she agrees to get together. You sit down and you go, well, you shouldn't have said all that right. stuff. Like I wouldn't start with that. Right. <laughs> I think the first part of that verse is really important. A gentle answer. Mm. Just keep with the gentle answers. And in your own heart, um, just work on, Lord, give me your eyes to see my sister. Yeah. Because she's oh. your baby girl. She is your chosen person just as much as I am. Uh, that's really important. Because I, I heard it said yesterday, we were in a meeting and we were talking about how believers, followers of Jesus, we're all different. We all have eunuch. I almost said eunuch. You did say eunuch. I, I meant to say, my dad used to say eunuch you. I don't know why he does word plays, but it's like unique. And I said, eunuch, uh, we all have unique approaches, including how to say words. If you're wondering why this is awkward, just look up the biblical word eunuch and then you'll I don't even know. think you need to look people most of the time. I don't want a eunuch. It's not, anyway. it's not common in, in this language, but <laughs> we know what it is. Yeah. So we all have unique perspectives. We are going to dot our I's differently than others and cross our T's differently than others. And if I start observing people in the way that God observes them, that that is his child. He is he or she is their baby just as much as I am his baby, right? It gives you a whole new love. You start, my, I'm going to go back to what my parents said, not my my dad's weird version of unique, which is Uniqu, but what mm-hmm. my mom shared once with me. Uh, my dad's going to be like, why do you always share the weird stuff about me? Well, I know oh, how to spell word. it now instantly, so that's kind of genius. <laughs> But that's true. Yeah. But my mom said, if you're praying for somebody, you put them in your prayer circle, you can't help but love that person. And mm. that's true. So if consistent prayer over them, Sherry, Lord, give me your eyes. You're on the right track. I wish you could fast forward and speed it up. Yeah. But it's a process. And and for everybody, it's different. Healing, it's, it's, sometimes it takes a lot of time. What did you say, maybe transitioning a little bit, uh, but you were telling your kids about hard stuff. So, yeah, my, my oldest is almost 16 years old. In a couple of days, he will be. He's now a junior in high school. He started sharing with me just some of the incredible things that they're doing. Right now, it's 2022. If you're listening in the future sometime, we're hey, in 2022. What's the future like? <laughs> uh, I hope it's better than it is right now in terms of the way that we have figured out what needs to take place during a lockdown if there is a shooter situation. Mm. This is a scary topic of conversation. I graduated from high school in 95. Columbine happened a couple years after that. Never had to go through this type of situation. Although we can, my husband and I, in many ways empathize with a lot of the norms for kids going through high school and Mm -hmm. growing up. But this, like... Sammy was telling my son, Sammy was telling me about how one of his teachers, he said, all right, there's this lab that sits right next to our classroom. It's small. It's down the corridor. 
if there is an instance where we need to take cover. That's where we're going to go. And, and then he proceeds to tell them about these ball bearings that are like three pounds a piece. And we have tons of them, and I'll show you where they're located. And if somebody comes through the door, we're going to use this. We're going to pelt them. He's got this whole game plan. It's not even just where are we going to go. We've got weaponry, basically, mm -hmm. in this lab if we need it. And just hearing this from my child, the one who I rock to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a weird conversation to have. It's nice that they have the plan. It's just yes. unfortunate that they have to have the plan. And it, there have been plans for as long as kids have gone to school, I'm sure. Um, most of those probably becoming a thing because a, a devastation took place. Whether it was back in the olden, olden days where the, the schoolhouse could go down in flames. What's our plan for... My, my dad's was... You know, the Russians having the bomb and, yeah, and the getting under the bomb. desk. And of course, he was serious at the time, but sure. he's just sitting here telling me, you know, later, what was that desk going to do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But it brings some sort of peace of mind, I think, to the parents, to maybe the child in the moment. The tornado drills we experienced growing up mm. in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, earthquake drills in California. The um, we Obviously, there's hurricanes where, where we're currently located in Texas. So wherever you go, there's something sure. natural disaster wise. But this, this is violence from human beings that can't be. I mean, you've got a meteorologist that can maybe predict a tornado. This is a, a virus that is yeah. uh, no, obviously nobody's figured out. So that conversation's not easy. And you've probably had them with your much younger children because they've been doing these drills now for a while with elementary schools and but I've never heard one where my son's teacher had some sort of comeback. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we were talking, clearly there's fear there. There's fear from the staff, our teachers and principals. They're so brave to go into these settings on a daily basis. Our children are brave for going in there and somewhat feeling invincible that used to be a thing we felt as teenagers mm -hmm. and maybe it still is to some degree but i think we're all starting to feel mortal yeah more so than ever before and you know like jumping off the roof kids are like ah, i'm not gonna get hurt but now it's like we're seeing children murdered mm. we're we're ugh, it's awful and there's a hush over the school he was mentioning this to me um, he's just started this week there. He said, kids that I would see normally surrounded by friends and laughing. They, there's a, an angst, a severity yeah, and intensity. And so I would love to give him, I would love to give him easy answers in life. You know, he's required to do homework. He's required to do chores. He's required to practice the piano. And he actually enjoys that. But there are requirements that go along with living life and shielding our children from those requirements will do them no good. And so we uh, get to that here in a second. Cause I have a, a, I think a biblical application that might help you out with these, these tougher things. I would love to promise that my son would walk into school and always be completely uh, unharmed. Yeah. I would love to promise that you will never experience with the children in the countless schools that we've seen through the news clips and, and most recently Uvalde have experienced. If I am a good, if I'm an honest parent, let me put it that way, because mm -hmm. everybody's going to treat this differently and you know your children better than anybody. But I, I do want to caution giving the 
the Christianese answer, which is you will always be protected. Nothing will, bad will ever happen to you. Sure. Because I believe that those parents of those children in Uvalde prayed over their kids too. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't add up, does it? So what can I promise my child? I can promise him because he is a follower of Jesus that Jesus is always with him. And I can promise him that the scriptures are true, that he will never leave my son. I can promise him that whatever is allowed to touch his life, somehow through Romans 8, 28, we are told, will serve a purpose that will bring glory to God and is good. I've reminded him, you can't scare mommy (laughs) with heaven. Hmm. So, sweetheart, what's the worst, the absolute worst that can happen? You'll be in the best place ever. People who get left behind are left to deal with the grieving part of that. Um, These are not easy conversations to have. It almost made me, like, as I'm having this talk with Sammy, I'm like, Lord, am I saying the right things here? Because I want to tell him nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah. But I I know that Jesus never promised even his own disciples, um, most every one of them dying a martyr's death except for Judas. And John, we believe, um, they they tried to kill John. They couldn't. Uh, They finally deserted him on the island of Patmos to live out the rest of his days. But nobody, nobody was promised an easy life, but they were promised peace um, and joy. The, the option to choose joy. Um, it, it, one of my favorite passages in Hebrews, I've shared it often about for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. But I know that he also experienced moments of joy on a daily basis too. It's not like, okay, this is the one date I'm looking forward to. Once we get past the cross, I'll be happy. No, no, no. He stopped and smelled the roses on a daily basis too. Mm-hmm. Um, but having real conversations with our children when they're at an appropriate age in an appropriate way, I think it's important Because otherwise, if God forbid he experiences something other than what I've shared, you told me that I would be safe. I would never experience this. Now there's a tinge of, can I believe anything that you've said in terms of my faith? I want him to know the truth and I do need to protect him. So finding that balance, Lord, about saying too much or too little that's something you do have to pray about. Well, and, and what you just shared is what exactly people say to God. And um, mm, and now yeah. what you're talking about is if you had said it, if you're the parent and you said it, but people do that with God. You, you know, God said it would be a good life, you know, taking verses out of context or whatever. And then we have to be real with ourselves. And like you said earlier, God never said it. Mm. Not that. We can't make a promise out of something he never said. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's, and that's why life's hard because what should happen, mm-hmm. but, but it goes back to the beginning of Adam and Eve. What should happen is that children should be able to peaceably go to school. Yes. But, but what should happen is that there might not even be school because we're all living in the presence of God. Yeah. I mean, that's what should have happened. And so we are where we are mm. and that's hard. Yeah. And, and, and what we have to do is identify what did God promise? And we've talked about this on this podcast. He did promise that, you know, if you use the term with your kids or with yourself, everything's going to be okay. If you mean that eternally, you're right. Oh, absolutely. 
Yes. And my husband actually shared that to me last night. It's like, everything is going to be okay, but you have to define what that means to your child Mm -hmm. that you ultimately will be with your heavenly father for eternity. Mm -hmm. And Jesus took care of the most important basis. And that is it that your heart being reconciled. There's that word reconciled and restored through Jesus Christ and what he did so that you can live with him forever. Mm -hmm. That is the main healing, the ultimate place to be. Yeah. And that doesn't mean to say that there aren't moments where God has intervened. He certainly has. He's certainly capable. And when I start to going into the, why didn't you Mm -hmm. for this situation places, I'm going into territory. I think that the book of Job kind of ushers us away from, I don't have the right to ask God because number one, I, first of all, he's God. Secondly, and I think more importantly to me, because it feels less, condescending if that's the right even way to to put it but i don't have the capacity to understand why i don't i can't sure. see that far into the future i don't know how what is taking place in this moment that might be painful for me right now is doing is going to connect from the past to the present into the future yeah. um so it's important to talk about these things with our children I don't want to shield him in, in as much as that he had a classmate commit suicide last year. He knows that death and depression and scary things are real. This is happening around us, but you have a savior. And I said, Sammy, this incredible thing that you guys have in bringing and ushering in the presence of Jesus Christ, wherever you go, because he is in you. Can you ask God to help you look at these as almost like missionary opportunities that I can be in a classroom setting filled with angst. And because I know the one who, who brings in the peace that passes understanding, which by the way, peace, shalom, meaning flourishing. That was reviewed yesterday. Um, I I was like, Oh my gosh, that's right. How do you define peace? (laughs) How can I flourish in the midst of an ugly situation? I can be at peace and flourish in the midst of something devastating. Mm -hmm. How is that even possible? only through grace, only through what Jesus did for me. Can you look though, Sammy, at these opportunities, as as these situations, as opportunities for Jesus to step into the room? And that's, I think that casts a new light on it. And I said, that's work. That's not easy street. If you think about it, we often say phrases like, kids shouldn't be thinking about this stuff. They should be playing. They should be I think God would probably agree with you. Yeah, that was the plan. Mm. Mm -hmm. But things got broken. And so I I had a game plan when they got broken. I sent my son so that we could have reconciliation and restoration. You can trust me. The timing and the way I execute these things, it it may not line up with what you think. But you can trust me because I have the 3,000-foot view. I can see the things that you can't see. And... So it got me to this story about Solomon and I'll, I'll share it real quickly. I'm reviewing Solomon. He is probably one of my least favorite characters because I had hope for Solomon. Mm. You read about this guy. He's just a sad character. Solomon is super wise because that's what he asked God for was wisdom. He's off to a great start. He's off to a real good start. His dad's a pretty cool guy. His name's King David. The guy that killed Goliath. And he's also the guy who said in scripture, he has a whole heart for God. Solomon has half a heart for God. And I'm wondering if part of that is because as I read about the story of Solomon, which you can do in, um, well, you can read about it in 
I can't remember it's first or second chronicles I'm in right now. I honestly get them all confused because first and second Kings and first and second chronicles have a lot of crossover mm. things. And so as I'm reading and I'm trying to read it on the same timeline, I'm reading both books at the same time, but you can read about it. And he's like visited by Kings all over the place and they come and they visit and they wow at what he has. And they bring him gold. Like they just bring him tons of gold. Here's some gold. Like, I don't know how diplomats are today when they come into other people's countries. Like, oh, I brought you this pin. Isn't it nice? Sure. Yeah. I brought five tons of gold. That's the queen of Sheba. Brought him five tons of gold. There's gold in them hills. <laughs> so he, he's doing okay. And David had already set up a lot of things. So they would be ready for Solomon. When he would have the builders that he needed and all this stuff. So honestly, life looks like it's handed to Solomon on a platter mm -hmm. because David has done all the fighting He's made sure that the kingdom is a solid place. Now, I say that God through the faithfulness of his guy named David. I think David recognized the sovereignty of God and God blessed and honored that. And that's why David's kingdom is this, it's gonna be this incredible thing. But David had to serve. He had to fight. He had to get his hands dirty and bloody. Mm -hmm. And Solomon really didn't have to do any of that. And I'm wondering if that's because he didn't do any of the really hard work. Like you'll read about, he like whines a little bit in Ecclesiastes and understandably so. If you've been given everything on a platter, what is this all about? Jesus hasn't come yet. What is this all about? We live, we die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what he basically says in Ecclesiastes. It's like, wow, this is depressing, Solomon. Um, but yeah, he's just like... I have everything I need. I'm going to try this and that. He builds shrines to gods that literally people do human sacrifices to, to please his wives. This is a half-hearted man for God. If truly good hard work, a good day sweat keeps me from fully knowing the joy of a good day's hard work. <laughs> like at the end of the day, I can kind of go yeah. with my hands and say, hey, it was a job well done. Right. Maybe that is what impeded him from having a full heart for God. It's David had to cleave to God. Nobody else was with him. Like there was a few people here and there, but he's running away from people. Most of his life, it feels like he's running away from people for his life. And he had to lean in to Jesus. He had to lean in, not in his own understanding, but to in all his ways acknowledge God so that he would make his path straight. Ironically, that passage is from a book that Solomon helped write. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is it because Solomon learned it on his own? Or is it because that's one of the tales that his daddy told him when he would go to bed at night? It, it's very interesting. You know, we live in the Houston area and there's a, uh, a suburb, and, and I'm not just going to pick on this one. There's affluent suburbs all around, but like something like the Woodlands is very affluent. And you just see, I've heard pastors in the Woodlands say this. It's just different. It's mm -hmm. just harder. Kind of like Jesus was talking about how hard it is for a rich man to get to the kingdom of heaven. Mm. When you have, you see the worship that can in, in the woodlands that can just be status quo. Mm. We have everything we need. We don't need to cling to God so close that it might be different than inner city Houston. Mm. But even from inner city Houston, it might be different from where I've been in Kenya. And you, when you see people in Kenya praying for rain, I mean, they need 
rain yeah. to live and to go. I mean, they, they are dependent on God for God for physical needs. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this isn't picking on, picking on anybody because there can be fake people in Kenya and they're going to be, I know there's real people in the woodlands that are, I mean, really seeking after God. It's just that that barrier makes it harder sure. when, when you feel you, you are in control and you have everything you need. And in a sense, you, it can go to that place of you are your own God, mm-hmm. like Solomon. I have everything I ever need. I, I'm not dependent in a physical manner on God. So you start to become not spiritually dependent on mm-hmm. God too. I think that's a really, yeah, I think that's very well put. Um, I, I don't want to rob my kids of a struggle. I don't want to shield them with untruths. These are things that will not help further my children in their faith or in their walk in life mm. because they're going to walk into an establishment one day and seek employment. And if they have some cakewalk idea in their head, you know, work is hard, but good work pays off. And after you're done, like when you're first starting out, it's like, oh my word, look at all this stuff I got to do. Yeah, That's why we need to choose joy in the midst of it and look for things around us. Like right now I'm looking for lizards. I know that sounds really ridiculous, but where we live, there's a ridiculous amount of lizards. So that's why, anyway, uh, my kids, when they were super small, they would try to catch as many as they could. And it brought them such joy. Mm-hmm. And so now every time I see a tiny little gecko or a little lizard, those little doolap hanging out, it makes me think about my children and I smile. Yeah, and so when no. I, I see a little thing like that in God's creation, I allow that to be a moment where I'm going to choose joy today. Thank you, Lord. I saw that that little smile, that little God wink from you, and let those re let those be like a breath of much needed air that you need to refresh you, so that you can keep going on with the day's work. Because what Solomon didn't, I don't think where he got to, especially because he really didn't have the trials and struggles that David had. I mean, I'm sure he had his own, but everything that he built was on the backs of some would say even slaves. The same words attributed to the way that the Israelites were forced to labor in Egypt Mm -hmm. under Pharaoh's rule as slaves is the same language that is used with the workers where Solomon was building the temple. Hmm. Didn't know that. So it makes you question. You see that later on in scripture. Not everybody was happy with the way Solomon dealt with building the palace. So if you're making other people do it, are you really doing it? Yeah. Um, David seems like one of those guys that he like got off the horse and he helped. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> like George Washington, you know that famous story? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was just alongside him the whole time. Yeah. And and, and they didn't know it was George Washington until later where he was, was it battle that they it, were doing? It was a, and I don't know the whole story, but yeah, it was something like there were a bunch of fallen trees. That's and what it was. Yeah. Really difficult conditions. They see these people riding up on horses and without thinking, gets off the horses, starts working alongside the men to move the stuff that they needed to move. And then they were like, yeah, it was General Washington. What? <laughs> what? That's him? What? Uh, but yeah, it, it's important. Just like we've often shared for you to know the, um, the sweet sound of the major keys, the minor keys, the difference there, the distinction needs to be made. It's like, oh, wow. But both together, there's this incredible melody that can come out of it, the mm. incredible symphony with doubt, how can your faith be as sweet if you don't experience kind of having some doubt? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you work through it and process through it and, and find scriptures or, or good counsel to land on and say, Lord, 
I'm stronger because of this. Yeah. In fact, pain does that too. What happens after you endure pain? You literally physically become a stronger person. You actually share that with me when you go and you exercise, your muscles actually tear up every time you like lift a weight or yeah, something. You're tearing the muscles and they're being built back stronger. Yeah. And, and then along with, uh, and I mean, we could do analogies to death, but it, it just, it's so, <laughs> I know. It's so what, uh, I was going to give one like more. It's like a pizza. It's, it's like, that... a, <laughs> now it's a lot like a pyramid. Um, no, it, but it does remind me though of when I see professional athletes cry after yeah. winning a championship huh. and it's not because they were handed that championship. Right. They worked from potentially elementary school, middle school, summer workouts, blood, sweat, tears, mm. losing games, losing big games, they screwing up. Remember seeing their parents taking them to all those practices too. Mm -hmm. This was for mom and dad yep. too. Yeah, yep. that's a really good one. Um, so we had a very interesting uh, situation happen and Rochelle and I were talking about this because there's, there's a good uh, principle in it Mm -hmm. But but also this particular story is like, well, okay. Um, I have a friend that's a part of a, some people would call it cults, mm -hmm. but it's 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 a, a church that doesn't have, uh, and, and listen. They claim to be Christian, right? They claim to be Christian. And, and there's a lot of nuance with different beliefs. You know, we can lock arms as Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, you know, but the main thing is, do you believe that God is God, that Jesus is God, that Holy Spirit is God, and that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're off on some of the major, major yeah. things about it. But I was sharing, uh, a friend was sharing about a story though, where they were walking the neighborhood, doing ministry, and uh, um, they were just, you know, walking past this house. Nobody was home. And this dog gets out. Uh, actually, and I don't even think I shared this with you, Rochelle. It was like five or six dogs. Five dogs? Yeah, it was a lot of dogs at one house. And they're all barking, but one got brave. The little yappy one <laughs> got brave and bit my friend in the ankle. See, I'm laughing only because I know he ends up being okay, but not until after an emergency visit. I mean, this urgent care didn't, it didn't seem like it pierced the skin very much, but it was, but it bled. You know? I'm just laughing because it's the tiny dog. Why do they, it's always the tiny dogs. Always. I went home for just a little bit with my parents and I said, I'm going to go for a walk around the neighborhood. And my mom says, not unless you take the bludgeon. The bludgeon. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's like a baseball bat. but It's like only half a baseball bat. And I said, what do you want me to hit the dog with the baseball bat? Because there's this little yappy dog. <laughs> what are you talking about, mom? And she goes, no, I don't want you to hit the dog. I want you to show it to him. I said, you <laughs> I think all older people you eventually what? become Clint Eastwood. You they just show him? They just stop with the niceties. What is he going to do after he show me? He doesn't care. I just imagine you brandishing it from that? a jacket yeah. or your belt loop. Like, <laughs> But anyway, this yappy dog bit your friend. And so he goes to urgent care and, uh, and insurance didn't cover all of it. You know, it, it sounded like it was a couple hundred dollars. And uh, he could have gone back to that house and gotten a lawyer yeah. and said, I'm suing you. Mm. This is negligence. And it is. And he's, and he's right. And he thought about it and he chose not to. Mm-hmm. So lo and behold, it was a few weeks later. They're in the same neighborhood. And they're like, is this that neighborhood with the dog? Oh, yeah, there's a dog. Oh, wait a minute. There's the owner. He's home now. Yeah, yeah. So the owner flags him down and he wants to talk about faith. Okay. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm like, well, did you bring up? The yeah, what about the dog? He said, I really, I just, I let it go. And the dogs were there, but the, the, the owner had put him up. And uh, he, he said, I, I thought about bringing it up just like I thought about 
suing him Mm -hmm. and I decided to let it go. And I'm so glad I did because what he shared with me was I recently, this is the owner. I recently spent a year in prison because one of my dogs got out and bit somebody. And first off, I'm like, get it together. (laughs) This is clearly don't own dogs or something. But, but my friend pointed out this opportunity Mm -hmm. was here because I chose grace. I chose to let it go. I chose to overlook an offense. He had every right in the world and it wouldn't even have been, you know, we talk about forgiveness how like like the world uh, tells you that that you you have every right in the world to be bitter mm-hmm. and stuff like that and 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 nobody would blame you but but that's a situation where no God would blame you yeah like but, but this is a situation is just justice I think he, he would be right to sue if he wanted to he uh, there's and I do know the the only problem I have with the way your friend handled it is that clearly was his choice to to let it go. Um, and I think that's very gracious of him. But I think I would have probably told the owner. Said something. Because yeah. you don't want the dogs to keep hurt. What if it's a child next that's time? That's true. That's true. I, and you don't want this poor guy to go to jail again for sure. crying out loud. He needs to figure out the situation with his dogs. And if he doesn't know that it happened to him. But it does make you go, okay. So if this situation happens, I'm going to translate this over into the potential for other opportunities where I, if I extend grace, might be given an it opens the door to more conversation, maybe even potentially sharing the gospel message. That's and that's the thing, because if he had sued him without knowing him, yeah, and and if that's all true, then that guy would have gone back to jail, and and my friend wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to him about what he wanted to talk to him about. Right now, again, like I I shared, I it wouldn't have been it wasn't when he did get to talk to him the right the correct message about Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a principle that led me to go, wow. What if just honestly, kind of like that proverb that we shared, mm-hmm. a gentle answer turns away harsh wrath. Yeah. And it's like, if I can overlook an offense when possible and choose to be able to move forward in forgiveness, not be a doormat, but move forward in, in forgiveness in any situation, what kind of opportunities mm. lie ahead to be able to talk to somebody now about faith, especially if they did see me live it. The yeah. the owner didn't know about this situation, but if somebody saw me overlook an offense that they did, now all of a sudden I'm walking it out, and now I can talk it out with them. It, let's just let's just say it was you in the situation. Let's okay. just say, and and thankfully you know Jesus, um, and and I do. The people who get out and share what it is that they believe with others, um, especially if it comes from an authentic place and an authentic desire for people to thrive. Mm-hmm because they believe what they're sharing is truth. I I have respect for that. I have a lot of respect for that. So mm-hmm. even if I don't agree with them, mm-hmm. but it, so I, this is not me looking down my nose at anybody else, but I believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. Mm-hmm. And he offers something that nothing else can. And that doesn't mean I'm a snob, a, a faith snob. It just means like, I think the most that most people would get on board if they like if all faiths realize what Jesus offers. Sure, sure. And it was offered in its purest, most awesome, righteous form. And and we got out the way with the things that sometimes we muddy it up with uh, trite stuff that doesn't matter. You know, it's its purest form. I think every faith would get on board and be like, "Oh man, this is where it's at." Mm. So 
you know who Jesus is. And let's say you're on this mission and you're sharing just from door to door. However, and you get bit by the dog. I, I would hope that you would go back to this guy and you talk about an opportunity not to go, hey, look, your dog bit me and I'm a better person, so I'm not going to sue you. So let's talk about Jesus. Yeah. But it does set you up to go, I want to share this with you because I am concerned. I, you just told me that you've been to prison. Can I share with you and show him the wound on your leg? This happened to me last week. Look, I'm, I am not angry. I've chosen, I forgive the situation. Yeah. You better know that that guy who just spent a year in prison, right. listen, he's going to give you front row and center listening. But he would have even asked because if it was me and potentially, I don't know, just talking about this, potentially what I would have done, just let it go. Maybe asked him to pay, but not, but not threatened with anything. Gone back to his house, mm -hmm. said, hey, I just want you to know um, this is what happened. Here's the day it happened. Here's the bite. Um, you know, it did end up costing me a couple hundred dollars. If that's something that you want to help pay for, I would be very appreciative of that. And, and if not, I'm not, I'm not going to get an yeah. attorney or anything. Yeah. And, and then could you imagine yeah. him going, Oh my gosh, well, thank you for not doing that because yeah. I spent a year in prison for the same reason. Yeah. And there is always the I mean, there's always the possibility it could backfire on you. You go there and they'd be like, well, how do you know it was my dog? Yeah, of course. Well, so yeah, yeah. But at the same time, using this particular scenario, um, I think it's an incredible it's an incredible thing to look at. I think most people in the Christian community do look at lawsuits from time to time uh because let me, let me retract that. I don't think that made any sense. What I'm trying to say is I think there's a struggle in the Christian community with what to do in terms of lawsuits. That's right. what I mean to say. Right. Should I? Because there is a very real need for maybe a financial resource. You, you have been wronged. This has been taken from you. This appears to be the only way I can get it back. I would definitely seek counseling on that with you going to your church, a trusted pastor and talking with them. What do yeah. they think? What's their perspective? Every situation is just going to be a little different. Yeah, it's you know? tricky. As long as the, your heart is pure before God, you know, mm. that that's where I always have to land. It's like, okay, God, what do you want? Yeah. Cause I know where I'm at situation wise. I know though you can sweep in and fix this financial situation if you want to. Mm -hmm. So if suing is not right for me, clearly I'm going to do it this way. Sure. You know? Sure. But um, yeah, that, that can get tricky. And uh, ultimately it worked out for this man to have another conversation with. Sure. Him. Sure. I, it's just, a, I thought it was a great, incredible lesson. And another reminder that the fiercest, bravest dogs are the small ones um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, thank you so much for your time this week. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. If you have any feedback, any questions, any other subjects that we should just yeah. bring up, talk about, uh, just email us anything at hopeondemand.com. And of course, that's where you can find more of our podcasts and other great content and uh, and the live the live one last week, which is a blast. And thank you so much for listening, letting us be a part of your world. And we're just, we're happy to do life and figure out this, this Jesus life together. 